0: what's up fight fan you're listening to mma daily the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts it is tuesday august 4th 2020 this week's episode a wild week in vegas I am your host Gabriel Gonzalez. This week we'll be talking about UFC Vegas 5, everything that happened between Derek Brunson, Edmund Shabazian, and of course the wild events leading up to it, even during fight night. We'll be talking about Habib versus Gaethje, Whitaker vs. Cannoneer, and of course everything else going on. And we'll end the show talking about Derek Lewis versus Alexio Linick this Saturday. At UFC Vegas Six, I am here with, and once again, special co-host Anthony Walker. Anthony, how are you?
1: I'm pretty good, man. Uh, happy to be back on the show with you. Always a pleasure working with you. I, I think we we will throw the disclaimer out Ooh. that we're both very tired. We didn't have full nights of sleep, so here we are. Uh, at at a, at a good, you know, Kamara Usman thirty percent ready to get it in. <laughs>
0: Hey, I mean, you could go undefeated, be one of the best fighters in the world at 30%, I'd remind you. and I'll I mean, give you... I'm
1: scary at 100.
0: <laughs> and by the way, second asterisk, we are joined by Anthony's young son, who absolutely needs his rest and was eager to start his MMA career young, Adonis Walker. So if you hear him, that's just him adding to the brilliance that his father is imparting upon him, so... Don't be alarmed if you're wondering, you know what's going on,
1: <laughs> yeah, yep uh, might be might be a baby chiming in on uh, his his thoughts about UFC Vegas Five as well.
0: has he like you know stayed awake like have you tried to get him to watch a fight yet, even though he doesn't know what's going on
1: he He's definitely watched uh, a fair number of fights with me. He actually seems to really enjoy watching John Jones fights. I had to do um a couple tape study things for I, I don't know if I was doing a round table or. What, what, or, or one of my podcasts or something, but I was tape studying some John Jones and he was really, really into that. So uh, he, we might have a Bones Jones fan in the house. Uh, he did actually, a few days after he was born, we watched the uh, Bellator Rising co-promoted New Year's Eve card. Ah. So uh, yeah, so he's, he's had some good mixed martial arts in his life already.
0: All right. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> well, let's see what Miss Young Adonis has to say today. Um, Anthony, let's get it started. We are coming off fight week. Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian on Saturday. A lot of people riding high on Edmund, he was the favorite, but I think the biggest takeaway was um maybe just a little more seasoning necessary for Edmund. He did not have a bad fight, he looked good. I gave him the first round. But really, I think that this is just a great example of Derek putting it together. He weathered the storm. He took some good hits in the first round, too, to his credit. And he really just put it on Edmund, did the damage. Edmund, who's hardly ever out of the first round, suddenly he was really struggling. And really, that was all she wrote. At the end of the second round, we'll talk about the stoppage. But really just impressed with the composure and the execution of the game plan for Brunson.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is kind of the, the Brunson performance that we didn't expect, but we've wanted to see for so long. Uh, Derek Brunson has had so many opportunities to break through to to true title contention in the middleweight division and middleweight since he's uh, entered the UFC has always been a very competitive uh, top-heavy division. So he's always been just there and been knocked out at some several times. And you can also think of the the uh, pretty controversial decision lost to Anderson Silva that, that was a setback as well. But I mean, like I said, I mean, uh, he fought Anderson Silva. He's fought Yoel Romero. He's fought uh, Robert Whitaker. He's fought so many... Israel Dasangi He's fought so many great fighters um, that the experience differential was so clear. And Brunson turned on in the proper way uh, it, it showed that there's no comparison, man, for a, a prospect who's, you know, barely barely had ten fights to his credit at that point. I, I you know, I don't want to write off Edmund Shabazian at all right now. He's he, 22 years old. He's still got a lot of life uh, left in him, um, and, and I'm sure we'll get into that uh, a little bit as as we continue talking here. But but Derek Bronson, um, he, he thoroughly impressed, and this is what we've wanted to see from him for quite some time.
0: Yeah, I think that it really just comes down to the fact that you had a very, just a very young fighter, and I think that at the end of the day, um, yeah, Derek, I want to give full credit to Derek, because yes, like you said, he had those setbacks, but he's also done the work outside the cage, you know, he's obviously done a lot of work at Sanford MMA, now, you know, used to be Hard Knocks, used to be blackzillions. Um, he's really just made that change, um, and I know, you know, these victories haven't exactly come against the Whitakers and Adesanya's that we've been used to, you know, seeing him fight, and we're kind of gauging his level, but really, this was just a great fight for Derek, and, um, like you said, I, I'm also there with you, I think that Edmund, you can only grow from a fight like this, I'm sure he's, you know, gonna go back, watch the tape, and he knows what he needs to put together, but... Yeah, uh, biggest takeaway, just Derek Brunson this many years in the game with against these many stars, and he's grown as a fighter. Just a great sign for the middleweight division. Um, in terms of what's next, I know that he threw out Darren Till for the name value. Because we have Whitaker versus Cannoneer scheduled, I really feel like Jack Hermanson makes the most sense for him. I feel like Hermanson would have been the opponent had Shabazian won. So yeah, I really just feel like that fight makes the most sense. I don't want to see him fight a Yo Romero or Uriah Hall. I know they're coming up at the end of the month, I think. So I just think that Jack where he's at and Derek where he's at with this victory makes the most sense in terms of name value, in terms of challenging the other man. I just think it works.
1: I mean, from a ranking standpoint, that makes the most sense. And you know, Hermanson being without an opponent right now, I'm sure Brunson didn't take much damage in in that in this uh, this fight Saturday as well. So that makes a lot of sense. I actually though wouldn't mind seeing him rematch Romero if he were to get past Uriah Hall uh, for two reasons. One, because I think that fight will go a lot differently now. I think this this patient version of Brunson has a much better chance against Yoel Romero who you quite honestly, lately, you're just not sure what you're going to get with him. Uh, and then also, uh, it keeps Yoel Romero out of a title fight, and the UFC loves to give him title fights. So uh, let him stay away from belts right now. If Brunson picks up a win uh, against Yoel Romero, then you have a clear-cut number one contender.
0: Yeah, I think that um, when you would look at Yoel Romero, Ram- oh, with that fight with Yoel Romero, I just... Like you said, they like to give him title fights. Part of me really just does wonder if, you know, if Derek Brunson just isn't a big enough fish for Yoel. Because I could easily see, you know, I think that this is a rebuilding fight. Yoel is currently on a two-fight skid. Um, Controversially, but still, you know, numbers are what they are. But in my opinion, I feel like Yoel, he beats Uriah. He might be waiting and see, hey, maybe I could rematch the loser of Adesanya and Costa. Maybe if, you know, something happens with Canoneer and Canoneer somehow doesn't get the next title fight. If he wins, maybe he can make that fight happen for himself. I just feel like, you know, he knows he could get a bigger fight that unless the card, you know, unless the you know, cards fall a certain way. He could get a bit better fight than Brunson and I feel like at this stage of his career he would take that. Now, assuming everybody kinda stays booked and, you know, time off or whatever after these fights, then I could see more of the Brunson fight happening for your Romero, but I just think that um I just think that the Brunson to Yoel again, I just feel like that's still a big step up. And I feel like he's just not quite there unless things fall that way.
1: Mm, I, fair point. Definitely fair points. It, it's just that I'm, and maybe maybe this isn't fair to Romero, who is is clearly performing at at a top level. Uh, there's uh, Donis. Uh, I think he agrees with me here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, he's still know,
0: frustrated that Romero didn't get a couple Ws recently.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just yeah, those close fights. He, he never seems to eat those out so but but i but, I do think um I'm kind of expecting Romero to fall off of a cliff at some point here because you know he's how he's what sixty three years old or something like that Oh, uh, yeah um, definitely yeah so and he's had he's had a lot of a lot of mileage on his body from uh so many injuries and and years in combat sports i I just kind of expect it to fall off at some point, and I think the combination of that uh, with the the sort of up and down performances that we've seen from him as of late, and also his um, uh, lack of fight IQ at times, uh, primarily in the in the Costa fight, uh, and really we can we can point to the Israel Adesanya fight as well. In that uh, this version of Brunson might give him some trouble, so I, I kind of want to see that, and I, and I think whatever we can do to keep the UFC from booking him in title fights let's just go ahead and do that uh, because he's he's quickly turning into the holly home of the the middleweight division and i don't think we need that
0: i I get where you're coming from for sure but yeah i mean i think this is a good thing for the middleweight division obviously you know what happens after paulo costa and everything else is going to be determined by the next few months so i think that's all a good sign um, let's move on a little bit. Uh, co-main event, Jennifer Maya just shocks JoJo Calderwood. Um, I want to give two, you know full credit where it's at. I want to look at it all big picture. On paper, yes. This was supposed to be an easy fight for a full camp JoJo Calderwood. I would point that out. I think people are forgetting she did take this on two weeks notice. I do also want to point out the fact that Jennifer Maya did know her back was against the wall. And respectfully, you know, I know people are talking about a title shot and all that, and we'll get into that. But before she got the booking against JoJo instead of Arujo, who was her original opponent, this wasn't a big deal fight. By all accounts, Jennifer Maya was fighting for her UFC job if she did not perform well. So I think that that's something to acknowledge is that Jennifer, you know, by all intents and purposes, She looked like she had her weight under control. She looked very sharp in the cage. Um, And once again, I want to give credit. I think that's how she performed. I think you have to say a little bit of that is the lack of a full camp for JoJo. But you put all those factors together, and the fact is she stepped up and she delivered for herself in a big way against a veteran opponent who's looked great, too, in JoJo Calderwood.
1: Uh, yeah, you're, you're right on that. I mean, Jennifer Maya was not supposed to win this fight. I mean, if, if, if we thought that Jennifer Maya was going to win this fight, Jojo Calderwood would not have taken it. I mean, she was essentially guaranteed a title shot, um, and wasted it away. So I, it, it's just unfortunate for, for Calderwood, who has kind of had her setbacks at the wrong times and kind of struggled to find her place as far as weight class is concerned. Uh, but for Maya, this is this is certainly a big leg up. You know, granted, the the prize at the end of all of this is uh, to to do violence against Shevchenko, or uh, should I say, have violence done upon you from Shevchenko?
0: I think that scared Adonis.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, Adon- Adonis was was terrified of uh, watching Shevchenko slaughter someone else at one twenty five. So that's kind of the prize in this and oh it sounds like a bad day at the office either way you know which side of the fence did you fall on on for this but i mean maya did save her her ufc career for the time being and that's to be applauded she put on an amazing performance that quite frankly nobody expected so i I think that always uh deserves a, a big thumbs up in my opinion
0: Yeah, I think you nailed it right on the head. And um, look, I get it. I mean, I think um, you're seeing this with a lot of the, you know, athletes in other sports when you look at the NBA players. A lot of them have come out. It's like, guys, I know that it says we make millions, but we're not all LeBron James raking in dollars if we're not playing. You know, so when you look at it, JoJo hadn't fought since September. By all accounts, the earliest she was going to fight Valentina was probably going to be November. Uh, it was, you know, I I get it, you know, under the quarantine, even if you're coaching or teaching classes, what have you, the fact is a lot of that isn't happening because of the pandemic. So I appreciate her situation. I respect it. I respect the fact that she did have it locked in and she said, you know what, I'm going to go out there and try to make it happen. She was a real fighter. They offered her to fight when she asked to and she stepped up and took it. But the fact is, that was just how it went. I'm still a little sad about Tony Habib, and this is an example why, is sometimes these yeah. things don't don't work out that way for some of the bigger names. So that is what of it course. is. I mean,
1: oh, for and, all the praise that we can bestow upon uh, upon JoJo for taking this fight, which I, I think that that fighter's mentality deserves to be praised, it It doesn't deserve to be praised from a business standpoint, and when fighters look at themselves as business entities or or partner business partners with the UFC and, and working uh, to their better financial interests, these uh decisions don't get made like that. There's a reason why John Jones didn't take that last minute chillson and fight. Um, you know anything can happen in this sport and anything happens Saturday.
0: No, for sure. And once again, I want to give credit. She wasn't, you know, hey, like um, I was training for somebody else. And then, you know, I took a different replacement. She was essentially coming off, you know, no camp, probably chilling for a while. And she got, hey, two week notice on top of making weight, you know. So, I give, you know, I do want to give that caveat. It's like, hey, I do also think that that was not the best JoJo we would have seen under normal circumstances. But it is I, what it is. Yeah and also um in terms of health wise i do hope she's all right i am sure that a lot of factors went into whatever happened backstage with the fainting um i know that people are giving a lot of the fighters some hard time but you know these are men and women who go out there for a living and perform i do think it's got to be something serious and a combination of factors on why that happened to multiple people and we'll get into that when we close it out but um Yeah, uh, in terms of Jennifer Maya, I would prefer she fights Cynthia Calvillo because I do think that if you take a title shot right now, you really are having a David versus Goliath situation, which respectfully, Jojo Calderwood wasn't exactly a world beater going into the fight with Shevchenko. It was already going to be a massive upset if Jojo got the job done. Like we've already said about where Jennifer Maya was at, Now Jennifer Maya fighting Shevchenko. Really, I can't imagine, you know, I can't remember a bigger underdog in a title fight, Anthony. So to say that you're going to throw Jennifer Maya against Shevchenko, I don't know. But then at the same time, I'm also aware that if you want to see Valentina fight somebody again this year, you also got to just throw one of them in because if you have hypothetically Cynthia fight Jennifer let's say, October, November, they're not about to turn around, you know, and fight Valentina in 2020. So I do think we're going to see somebody get a title shot that was just very, very unexpected in the terms of USC history.
1: Yeah, man, this is this is the problem with that division. Um, And maybe I shouldn't say it's a problem because this is a way that you can build um, you, uh, Val- Valentina Shevchenko as a bona fide star. Like you're just giving her bodies to to feed on. Does it doesn't matter if you know from um uh, an odds maker standpoint or as an analyst uh, standpoint? Does it matter if if it's Jennifer Maya or if it's JoJo Calderwood or if it's Lauren Murphy or if it's Cynthia Calvillo? Like it it really doesn't matter because we would heavily favor Shevchenko either way. And neither one of those fighters, despite the fact that they've we've seen improvements from them and they've shown great uh, technical skill in, in, at, at certain points in their careers and whatnot, we just don't favor them at all. It doesn't even seem like a fair matchup. So I, I say you don't even worry about – if you're the UFC, don't even worry about necessarily who's ready and all that. Just – just throw bodies at her right now and keep her active. Um, you know, especially if they want to fulfill the, the the wishes of of some fans, where where these potential super fights lay out there, Whaley Zhang, uh, or, or perhaps a, a Nash trilogy. Just feed her bodies to generate interest in anything that may come down the line.
0: No, I'm with you there. I'm gonna borrow Conor McGregor's, you know, crystal ball. Here's what I honestly see happening because um and this will probably include segments that really got to be explored another time but assuming they don't get John Jones back in November which is the next pay-per-view that isn't accounted for with the main event you know I would say that okay who do you have available as champions assuming you don't get another guy or girl who's recently fought back in there already I can honestly see like, let's say hypothetically, Valentina headlines against Jennifer. And then, let's say you have a co-main event, like a Tony Ferguson versus Dustin Poirier. I think that that could help the schedule. Because I think that the UFC has been trying to get these cards to fall together. Get Valentina in there one more time. I do think they want Wei Li to fight Rose. And after that, that's a sweep for Wei Li. Let's talk about a super fight against Valentina. I think they're trying to get all their players involved, but obviously the, you know, like you said, you know, this is a, it created a change up, but if you're just going to get Valentina in there, there is a way to circumvent it. It doesn't have to be the biggest name she fights. You just have to bolster her undercard and that's easily a, an event and a fight that you're going to see. So, I think that's yeah, a big fair, part of it.
1: That's a very good idea too. My my alternative suggestion to that would be to pair her along with uh, Davidson Figueroa in his next defense. So you can, you can have two champions who aren't necessarily going to be big draws on their own, pair them together and see if you can make something out of that.
0: I'm with you there. And also, uh, I think this is a little unfair because I know she's popular. I know she can bolster a pay-per-view, but Valentina is also somebody that they've also put on regular ESPN Plus. She's not always been a pay-per-view star. So could we see her just kind of headlining a big weekend Saturday on big ESPN card too? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. But
0: so, you know, there are a lot of options, but for my money, when I'm looking at the UFC schedule, I feel like that's in play. And look, that's managing another, a lot of factors, particularly at light heavyweight. And what the heck are they planning to do? That can be a whole other entire podcast on that. So, um, Before we move on, uh, Anthony, on Tuesday, we talked about it. Nice, normal week. We had a new main event, but that was okay. And then things just started happening. I don't know like what it was, but suddenly you have all these fighters, short replacement, 24, 36-hour notice. That morning, um, what was it? Gerald Mearshart tested positive for COVID after being there all week. Uh, Trevin Giles fainted before his fight. Literally, they're getting ready for his fight on the broadcast, and he's just out. Then you hear about JoJo Calderwood after the fact. I know that, look, we obviously don't have the answers, but I'm going to toss this question to you anyway. What the heck happened in Vegas?
1: Uh, well, one thing I think we can rule out right away is that very irresponsible speculation on the broadcast that Trevin Giles was too nervous yeah. or afraid to uh, to come to the cage, and he passed out as a result of that. That's absolutely ridiculous for um, a, a fight veteran, you know, who's passing out before he makes the walk. Who also happens to be a Houston police officer, you know, one of the most stressful jobs that you can have in the world. And one of the most dangerous jobs you can have in the world, but he's he passes out before doing something that he's done many times before. I, I think that was highly, highly irresponsible uh, for that to be said on the broadcast. Um, now, as far as Colderwood is concerned, I, you know, I, I'm very, I mean, really for for her and Trevor Giles, like I, I want to know what happened there, it's kind of scary uh, the the idea of a fighter passing out. Uh, either right before or right after their bout, um, but but then you look at Tapology, look at their their page um, regarding the, the fight night that we had Saturday. There are twelve fights that are listed as canceled or or fizzled bouts. There were uh, eight bouts that actually were broadcast Saturday night. There were more canceled fights than fights that actually took place. That is spectacular disaster right there <laughs> disaster to the point where it was actually kind of intriguing and entertaining um to uh, to know like wow how how disastrous can we get how much time can the can the desk fill up to to take time how many times can we run the same promo package over and over again to fill this time slot it was it was an exercise in in complete chaos so for that it was MMA at its finest.
0: Bro, just two fights canceled the day of. One literally canceled minutes before. You had another two fights. You know, they need they got new opponents on Thursday. By the way, credit to these guys. They weighed in and showed up on Friday. Um and then, you know, you had other stuff earlier in the week. Technically, two weeks ago we lost a main event. Um I'll say this. Do you remember I want to say it was 149, the one in like Calgary or something that just had all the fights. All these good fights just got scrapped. I think it was like the rematch between Faber and Henan Barrow. And it was like the most cursed card. You had like this stacked event, and they had so many changes that Dana White said that was the most cursed event in UFC history. That happened over the course of a month and weeks. This happened all in like five days. That you know, the, pan, you hey, know I, the I, pandemic took more time to shut down an event. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know, it's funny as you, as you mentioned UFC one forty nine. I, I kind of forgot about how disastrous everything on that card was. So I just went back and and looked up that twelve canceled or fizzled bouts listed on Tapology for that. So you had li- like literally, as you just said, um, the same amount of damage done over a bunch time for ufc 149 was done within a few days for for saturday's fight night so that's that's pretty spectacular
0: yeah uh, final note uh we talked to trevin giles like the day before um for virtual media day uh he he looked i did not get any indication that there was some kind of big deal he you know understood the challenge of kevin holland and it the way it went down um I think there's just a lot of frustration involved. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's some like I know we're saying this a lot with a smile because the sheer magnitude of changes that happen that please check on Trevin Giles because something serious had to have happened. And I'll say this, Anthony, hypothetically, if a fighter was going out there, they just needed the paycheck and they are not confident they can win this fight at all. There are easier ways than fainting before the fight. I mean, I'll just say bluntly, it's. You can take a dive. If you told me I can make X amount of money if I get out there in the cage, I promise you I will throw my hands up. I'll look like I slipped, and I just turtle up and cover up until I get Herb Dean to wave it off. You
1: know. Oh, well, but, I don't don't count on Herb Dean to to save you. <laughs> but you're right, you might want to do that with with a better ref. Let me go get. I'll,
0: <laughs> I'll make sure it's like I'm sorry, but I need Mike Beltran in there. Yeah, he, get get Jason Herzog in there. Yeah, he'll protect you. Give me somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, real quick the main event should that have been stopped in the second round at the end
1: absolutely um if not by herb dean by uh edmund shabazian's corner which is actually um you know a point i, I did want to get to before we move on from this fight night um I, I think it's time for edmund shabazian to move on from his his current training situation at glendale fight club we've seen Glendale. Um, destroy many fighters. We've seen you know, Travis Brown slide. We've seen um, Jake Ellenberger. Good Lord, when Jake Ellenberger got there, how how his skills degraded. Uh, so I, I think for Sabazian at 22 years old, he has so much career left in him to waste it away in Glendale where it looks like his coaching has kind of taken its course. Uh, you know, uh, Taverdian has been woefully unable to uh, help his fighters make adjustments in between rounds. And that's something that would have been crucial, um, uh, to, to the, the probability of his success, uh, Saturday night. You just can't have that at a high level. Uh, Shabazi needs to get up out of there. Um, Tverdian failed him by not, um, stopping that fight in between rounds by allowing him to answer the bell for the next round. And Herb Dean failed him uh, for not stopping it originally.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that uh, I do want to say this. I do know Herb Dean is a great referee. I think that um uh, sometimes you just have and mind you I'm aware how this sounds when I say it but there's a very big human factor in terms of when you're a referee in there and he's just been having quite the run of of couple weeks really big events and big fights and um yeah I don't know uh, I I I know how great he is at his job, but that second round, that was, and I, I'll give him credit, that was a borderline one. Like, I even looked at it, then I'm like, I mean, really, that one could have gone either way because Edmund did kick him off, and the last punch, the big one that he tried to finish with didn't really land for Brunson, and it was like, I get it. But then you look at, like, the Anthony Joshua fight, you remember, he's looking fine, the ref calls it. There's a reason why this stuff can get controversial. It's because of the human factor. And then in terms of the coaching, I know Tarverdian's um, record with UFC fighters, it kind of speaks for itself. I do want to give the credit that he is also the guy that got Edmund to Saturday night to begin with. I mean, look, uh, I always say this. Only they know for sure what kind of work and growth they feel they're getting. But I'm also aware of the numbers, like you're saying. So that's a tough one for me because I do feel like, hey, that would be that would be just contradictory to me. It's like, oh well Edmund got here. He's you know, a big part of that was I believed he could win the fight Saturday. So and he, Ed Tarverdian's the coach that got him there, so I'm torn because I wanna stand by it. But yes, I think that um there are a lot of factors part of it. Could he have gotten a little bit better advice? I will say yes. And when you look at the fight, I think that there was a reason why Herb Dean stopped it early, and I think the coaches should have seen it too. This is already, we're already in the red zone for Edmund, and I do think that was just an error that they didn't call it in the corner.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm 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 with you on, on on a lot of that. I will say this though, um, I I get your your point about Shabazzian uh, being brought up by Tarverdian, and that's that's a very very fair statement. But I think it's also um, very clear in a lot of a lot of fighters' careers when it's time to move on from your original camp. So we we can take a look at someone like Ovin Saint Prue who has stayed uh, with his small camp in Tennessee. Since the beginning of his career, we've all so So to not have a shred of evolution uh, and, then, and then you uh, continually go out there and make the same mistakes and get into the same problems, you know there's something wrong with the system that you 're working under uh, and, and, and i I'm, I'm worried about Shabazzian falling into that trap. Because that's the same trap that derailed his manager, uh, Ronda Rousey. Um, you know, granted she had already accomplished so much, but I'll, I'll go out there and say that yes, while Tivertian built up Shabazian, he definitely did not build up Ronda Rousey. She was created on the mats of of judo schools uh, with Jean LaBelle and with um, you know her 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 mom and, and and other coaches that that guided her throughout her her tenure through martial arts. Uh, so. For Shabazian to make that next step, uh, it's probably going to come at a a lot of personal sacrifice, but it's going to be necessary if he wants to make that next level.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that one's just going to be one that we got to observe moving forward. I'm sure he's getting a lot of it, and I'd hate for him to make a decision right now when everything, you know, these wounds are fresh, right? Right. But yeah, Yeah. I'm sure he's going to weigh a lot of that. I'm with you there. I think the results speak for themselves. I do always say this, though, because, yes, I'm very aware. At the end of the day, the coach is the one who's supposed to prepare you best. I've always gone on the record that, you know, in Rhonda's own words, she was already looking to be on her way out. So in terms of her training, I'm sure she hit the gym. I'm sure she hit practice hard. She did her workouts and gave max effort. I can't say that I believe that she was out there drilling learning the ins and outs of boxing and striking and this and that that she needed to maybe some offensive wrestling like you needed to to evolve with competition that she saw later in her career so I do think there is a bit of that factor when you talk about uh, Tarverdian's coaching but once again that's a lot of other factors and Edmund will weigh his chances If this becomes a trend, then I do think that there's really going to be no question. You just got to look at it for what it is, and there's really nothing else to add to it. But yeah, Anthony, crazy night in Vegas, and we missed it last week, but really, they're just bringing more and more hits. It looks like the UFC is putting a lot of things together. We get the news. October has its pay-per-view. We will get the unification between... Habib Nurmagomedov taking on Justin Gaethje. Um, we're not about to do a full breakdown now, obviously months out from the fight. But really, I think the big story for me, Anthony, is um, if you're Habib, this is a big feather in your cap. I think that just on his resume, he's one of the best fighters of the last decade. Then I think if you're Justin Gaethje, if you look at his resume, if you honestly Uh, I know he has those two losses, right? Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier. If you go on this run that culminates in stopping or, you know, defeating Tony Ferguson and Habib back-to-back, I'm sorry, but you're in the conversation of one of the best lightweights ever, regardless of what your resume looked like before, just on his turnaround in the last two years. So this is a high-stakes fight and really one of the most competitive fights you can imagine for a dominant guy in Habib Nurmagomedov.
1: Um, yeah, I don't think I could I could have said that any better. This is certainly if if Khabib were to win this fight, um, we're we have no choice but to mention him among the the all time great lightweights, which he's already a part of. But the all time great lightweight champions, uh, he he's had you know we we can definitely poke holes in his resume um, prior to say the. Um, I Dos Anjos win. Maybe I, I, that's probably where where I think the the highest level of oppositions kind of kind of really kicked in for him. Uh, but man, it, it'd be no denying it. Absolutely no denying it. He will he would have with a victory over Justin Gaethje. He will have um, you know some some names like Conor McGregor uh, on on his resume. Uh, Dustin Poirier, um, Ally Quinton. To Edson Barboza, those are fantastic names um, that are still very dangerous competitors at, at 155. Now, now, I think the biggest question mark for me, at least on on this, is what Khabib's mental state is going to be. You know, un- unfortunately, his his father just passed, with well, just a, a few weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I'm, I'm quite frankly, I'm, I'm surprised that he took this booking when he did. Um, but there, perhaps there's a reason why uh, besides just Ramadan uh, coming up soon, there's a reason why his, you know, this this fight is is so far away, uh, considering how the, the normal uh, time that they announce fights before before they happen. And, and we're kind of outside of that range uh, without his father, who also happens to be his coach. Just what where is he going to be? That's the biggest, biggest question for me. I think from a skill standpoint, Justin Gaethje probably presents the most problems for him on paper. Uh, you know, besides uh, a pre-COVID nineteen Tony Ferguson. So, I'm I'm really you know, and 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 like I don't want to go into the, the X's and O's, of course, because we've got plenty of time to do that. But man, I'm looking forward to digging into the X's and O's because this this is going to be a good one
0: yeah um I, I will say this when we talk about the greatest lightweights of all time i'm like ah, tony ferguson was always right there man he was yeah. always right there and <laughs> they did everything but fight each other for all their attempts and that, that still hurts me you know yeah
1: cause it's, like that, is, it's like that
0: it's like that time you're dating that one special girl and it's like ah it just how did that one get away <laughs> anyway I'm sorry, yeah, I digress man. now. Oh no. Anyway. No, you don't. You
1: know, it's all right, man. Go ahead, reminisce. Um Thank you. go for it, <laughs> but, go but, for but,
0: it while I but, while I shed my mantir. <laughs> but
1: but that's such a, the the sad part about Khabib and Tony falling off, uh, because that, that fight probably is gonna happen at some point, but it's just not gonna have the same luster behind it, uh if and when it does. You know, that fight at that time would have determined the greatest lightweight of all time, in my opinion. And, and two guys who who you can mention in the conversation, but wouldn't quite be there in my opinion, fighting each other. It's it's like six and seven fighting each other to determine who's number one. And that would have been spectacular. That that would have been a, a an absolutely historic moment. So it's a shame that that we don't get that. But Justin Gaethje versus could be yes, yes, please injected in my veins.
0: No, for sure. And uh, I'll say this because we'll close it out with the big elephant in the room that Habib wants uh, for his future. Uh, When you talk about Justin Gaethje, I've said this is that, you know, his wrestling pedigree, we are essentially taken at his word. We know that he's got it on paper, but, you know, I kind of call it like, if I don't see you use it, it's hard for me to gauge just how good it is. There's plenty of great Brazilian, sorry, let me say this bluntly, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts and guys who are wrestlers that for whatever reason those credentials somehow never seem to show up or work in their fights. So that's a very, now, I'm not saying that, oh, this is all just smoke and mirrors for Justin. I am sure he's drilling it. How can you not? But until we actually see him use it, we don't really know just how good that takedown defense is going to be. And that's really the X factor, I think, at the end of the day because we know what he brings to the table in every other facet of his game. And we certainly know what Habib's good at and how consistent he is at doing it. So it's a great yeah. fight, like you said. I really yeah. love it.
1: Definitely. And one point, I'll add on that before before we'll hang the subject up here. Um, I agree with you on that. If you don't see the skill, I you know it may not exist. Like I'm just not going to... I'm not going to just rely on the fact that you have, um, you know, these these credentials on paper against someone like Khabib, because you look at his resume and you see a couple of people who have similar credentials. Abel Trujillo and Pat Healy come to mind, both both highly decorated wrestlers uh, on, on a collegiate level, and Khabib wiped the floor with him using wrestling. Like I think against Abel Trujillo, he 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 scored a record number of takedowns, if I'm not mistaken. In, in a 15-minute in fight. So, you know, Justin Gaethje could very well fall victim to that same sort of thing, despite him having some NCAA credentials under his belt.
0: No, I mean, like I said, it's that X factor. We um, we really just got to see him use it. There's no two exactly. ways about it. Um, real quick caveat, you talked about how the fight comes together months out. I will point out, I believe Abdi- Ali Abdelaziz was instrumental it was a no-brainer fight, and I do think negotiating deals for both sides, cause he represents both of them, was probably a walk in the park. I'm pretty sure yeah. he had his intern read the contracts and knew they were fine. You know. Yeah, so. I don't.
1: I don't think he was sweating in the boardroom for this one. Uh, this yeah. this was probably pretty straightforward negotiation right there. And negotiation is a word that I'm using very loosely right now. <laughs>
0: Um, finally, uh, Habib, he beats Justin Gaethje, it looks like he's calling his shot, he says he wants GSP, he says that that would be his final fight, he wants to retire 30-0, nice even number, I get it, I'll say this, if he really is dead set on going out, Uh, look you're talking to one of the biggest gsp fans ever i mean that he was the man watching him do his thing was one of the reasons i love the sport and now i have a job covering it i don't know if i love that fight as much as i would love potentially man just close it out against tony i feel like it's almost unfair to gsp he's out come back and all this and all that um And I get it. You're going to have a vacant title afterward. What if he, you know, he takes value away from Tony or whatever. I I get all that, but as much as I love GSP and on paper, GSP versus Habib. Oh, that's good. It doesn't matter how old GSP is. It's still good. You know, I just feel like I'm not a hundred percent in like it's great, but I don't know. You know what I mean?
1: I, I get what you're saying, but I think this is this is one of the rare times, and normally I'm the one going totally against this sort of stuff, and I want to see uh, the you know the rankings be followed to a T. But if Khabib is going to retire anyway, and George St. Pierre, we know whether he wins, he ain't going to defend nothing. He's going to vanish away. This is one of those rare moments where the right fight to make is also the one that that fulfills the circus desire in us to have the the greatest, probably the greatest fighter of all time, come out of retirement again to fight a champion who, and this champion being, you know, potentially the greatest lightweight ever. I, I mean, what an amazing amazing way to cap off both careers. It, you know, just imagine the, the the luster on either one of those names. Whoever wins, Khabib will easily cement himself as the greatest lightweight of all time and then will enter goat status uh, with a win over gsp now if gsp wins he will become the first person in a major promotion to be able to hold three belts in three different weight classes that is insanity at the highest levels that is crazy and he's already in my opinion um one of if not the greatest of all time he's i'd probably put him like two behind John Jones if if I were to do this off the top of my head um, but he would be number one with a bullet if he were to a- if he were able to uh, take a belt off of Khabib and if Khabib is going to vacate it anyway if he you know it just doesn't matter let's have fun while we still can
0: you convince me man I am in. Khabib <laughs> versus Tony doesn't have to happen after all you did it. Good job. <laughs> uh, I, I'll i tell you what, you can count on my ESPN credit card being ran the second they announce it. The second they yep. say, the second that thing comes up on the app, you can order it. You better believe and you'll have my money.
1: Bye. <laughs> the yeah. moment I see that one pop up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For sure. Uh, anything could happen, man. I'll leave yes, it at sir. that. Uh, they had a big middleweight announcement. We already touched on it. Robert Whittaker gets scheduled for Jared Cannonier. I know how you felt about Jared getting the booking. Do you feel any differently now that they've announced it for October, the co-main event to uh, Habib and Gaethje? I I wasn't
1: I wasn't against it necessarily. I just didn't think it was it was the wisest thing to do so quickly. And especially where Whittaker was concerned, I was concerned he probably was was at least somewhat busted up and would want you know, just a little bit of time to heal up and and take off from training. Um, So I was just more, more surprised, but I'm okay with this matchmaking. I'm totally okay with it. Um, Whitaker is, um, you know, certainly has his hands full with, with Cannonier who, if, if Cannonier can get past him, I mean, there couldn't be a clearer number one guy uh, to, to fight the winner of Adesanya and and Costa. I mean, it just couldn't be any clearer than that. Um, and and for Cannoneer's sake, you know he definitely has spent some time on injured reserve. And what a great way to bounce back a fight that um, that one you can get a former uh, title holder, you can get his scalp on your resume. And at the same time, from a style standpoint, um, with some of the some of the, the the holes in Whitaker's game that he possibly can exploit. I mean. That's, this is probably the best-case scenario uh, for taking a fight and risking uh, a title shot that, that, that you're you know almost guaranteed to get. So I like this.
0: Yeah, I think that, um, especially if you're Jared, like, let's be honest, if you were champion tomorrow, you'd probably be fighting Whitaker very likely anyway, the way that he's, you know, where he's at in the division. So I like the idea of take him out now if you're Cannoneer. I do, you know, respectfully, he might be in a little bit of the JoJo Calderwood uh, position. He hasn't fought in a while. You know, it's been a minute. He's been on injury. You know, who knows, like, what his situation is at. It might just be like, hey, you know, the time for waiting is kind of just over. So I think that that's something to be acknowledged. Uh, Whitaker taking this fight less than a week after the tilt fight was announced. That, to me, is just... I think that, that, you know, he talked about burnout earlier this year. If he's trying to double down and say he wants it all back, I think this is a sign. And I think that a motivated Whitaker is just very dangerous. And once again, stylistically, the damage that they bring to the fight, they have so much offensive firepower between them. I mean, I'm I'm here for it. I'm ready. I think that this is a big deal for the middleweight division. Um... I'm gonna throw a little bit of a curveball at you, Anthony, because I see all this happening and I'm gonna to touch on it again the situation at light heavyweight. Because I really felt like what the UFC is trying to do is he, you know, maybe beat Jared, maybe beat Costa, and then you're setting up a big champion versus champion fight with John Jones. Because John Jones' situation is what it is, and that once again, that's a whole nother story. I thought of something, and this is me getting into my tin hat conspiracy theory. So ride with me here.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I feel like if Adesanya beats Costa, and somehow there is still no resolution with John Jones and everything going on, I can see a possibility. Adesanya moves up, fights a guy like Dominic Reyes' interim title. Just put the full heat on Jon Jones if you're UFC. And if you're Adesanya, what do you got to lose? You're still the man at 185. What do you think?
1: I'm I'm not mad at that at all. I'm not mad at that one bit now. Because when we talk about Adesanya uh, moving up to fight Jones, the personalities and the fight styles can sell that fight alone. But I think the the more convincing um, for anyone who's doubting this being a, a real thing, it, it, it's convincing that, uh, that Adesanya is ready for that. That's always the question mark. John Jones has done his part to have any super fight he wants. If If Jones today decided, you know what, I want to fight for the heavyweight title. Well, sorry, DC, you're going to sit down for a second. Like that's the level of. A prestige that John Jones has built up in his brand, uh, with, with the performances he's done against some of the all time great fighters at 205. Adesanya is just getting started, so he just doesn't have uh, that level of of political currency right now. So do whatever you can to build that up if you really want this fight to happen. So if he's if he's got to go through Cannoneer, he's got to go through Costa. He's got to go through Whitaker again, or he at some point he takes a 205 pound fight. It doesn't necessarily have to be for an interim title. Uh, he could just take a one off, um, you know, against uh, you know uh, uh, Anthony Smith or Corey Anderson or some something of, of that nature. Similar to what, granted, we didn't get a, a 205 fight uh, uh, title fight at least out of this, but Anderson Silva going up for these one off fights at light heavyweight during his reign. So I'm all for that. That sounds like a fantastic plan. And quite frankly, from just a pure entertainment standpoint, Adesanya versus Dominic Reyes sounds just nuts. Sign me up.
0: Right. And I say this because when I look at, okay, you know, you're going to have Adesanya versus Costa next month. By the time we get to whatever the next stage is going to be at middleweight, who knows where they're at? They may feel like, you know, with all due respect, you might feel like you need a bigger splash if the John Jones situation is not resolved. So, you know, unfortunately for Jared, because for this to happen twice would just be, it would just suck. But the idea that, like, hey, you know, if John Jones still isn't back and Adesanya is coming off a win, they may be, Jared, you're going to chill at 185. We're, we have bigger plans for Izzy. And they just try to make some more big fights happen down the line. So, yeah, I mean, it could really be anything at this point. So, But, yeah, I throw that out because when I look at Jared beating Whitaker, possibly, I don't know how long into the future we may be waiting for his title shot still. So, right. there right. we are. I,
1: I, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm buying what you're selling. I, I like that idea a lot. Um, and, and then also, it, it earns a little more... Uh, to my desire to have legitimacy in the rankings to have Adesanya have at least one win at light heavyweight before we start talking about fighting John Jones. Man, this, yeah, brilliance. Um, If you could see me right now, because we're doing this just audio over Skype, you would see me standing up and applauding you, sir. Beautiful work.
0: Oh, thank you so much man you will get uh, a shout out when i set my world mma awards speech one day oh
1: man um i'm definitely wearing a tux sitting in the audience drunk as hell so yes let's would, do
0: it i would not have it any other way
1: did, did, no. were you at the the mma awards last summer i was great yes, experience it was and i was drunk as hell too that was fantastic <laughs> Uh,
0: it was cool. Um, I was with a friend. Uh, I'd covered the red carpet, obviously, you know, working.
1: But then um, we had right. good yeah, seats. I was, yeah, I was right there with you covering the red carpet.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Wait, were you next to me, or were you on the other end of the
1: carpet? Because there were I a was, lot of people there. I was there. on the other end of the carpet. Yeah. I, I was. I came in with with uh, Oscar from backlife so I, I was. I wasn't officially there working for Sure Dog at the time. I, I just came to help Oscar uh, nice. for that um so i was just chilling and yeah I, I i definitely got sauced up uh once we went in for the event so that was that was fantastic uh duke is um and i were sitting beside each other that was interesting he probably thinks i'm a moron i am so yeah
0: life is good, good isn't it uh <laughs> times, you know what? It, it was cool i was right around the mma fighting guys uh chuck mendenhall was there and Obviously, you get to see them go up and accept the award for best outlet. So it was nice. It was cool to see them and just, you know, clap for them because they work hard and they're always good to us, you know. Very oh, kind yeah, folks up yeah, there. Good
1: folks. Very, very good. Very kind folks. Um, yeah, I was, I was sitting with uh, with Pat OJ, who at at the time we both were with with Sure Dog, and now we're actually together at Body Lock. Um, but we were, we were just laughing and joking. And I was like, "Oh, Sure Dog's not going to win this award, but let's just be ready to stand up just in case." <laughs> <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> hey, just pretend you're going to get up when they announce it. <laughs> I mean, why not? We all there to have some fun. No, yeah. man, it was good times. Uh, before we move on to Olenek versus Lewis, a couple things going on. I'll start with the easy one. Paige Van Zant. all these rumors about bare-knuckle boxing. I really feel, I saw the report, and it came from somebody who does work in media. It's not somebody, I believe, with a blue check mark, And I swear to goodness, I really do think that this caught steam by a guy just trying to get clicks. Doesn't matter what he was trying to sell. He was trying to sell a genie in a lamp. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I'm, I don't buy yeah. this. And I'll, but I will say, why would you not pay her a lot if you're willing to pay Mike Tyson? Paige Van Sant could also help ratings.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's it's impossible that that they made an offer to her. It actually seems quite logical that she's exactly the sort of person that they would want. She as a fighter, I mean, she's tough as I don't know what. Um, but she's also, uh, obviously an attractive woman who attracts a lot of attention. So you're going to have some, some boozed up redneck in the crowd, yelling and screaming and whistling at her. She's walking to the gate of I mean, walking to the ring. And that's kind of what they want. Um, so, so that's, that's what it is. Um, but I think Bellator makes a lot more sense for her simply because her husband's there, and simply because it's a bigger audience. She can have um, sponsors on her trunks that are going to attract more money because more people are going to watch Bellator than they're going to watch BKFC. Uh, and then also before um, before I forget this point, if you think that BKFC had enough money to pay Mike Tyson, um, is what, what they what the the figure reported was like twenty to twenty five million. First of all, if you think BKFC has 25 million. <laughs> ah. And secondly, if you think they're going to give that 25 million to Mike Tyson or that yeah, this just no.
0: Could they no. break even if they put yeah. a Mike
1: Tyson pay-per-view, though? Absolutely not. They would lose so much money. Like it, I,
0: you know what? That seem uh, only if you brought down the pay-per-view enough, could you break even. I think that that would do it, but if you do it at a standard price, you're really maybe you are smoking whatever Nate Diaz brings to the open workout. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and and at least I'll, I'll say this, I interviewed Mike Tyson one time um, at at his his ranch in, in El Segundo. Now. When I asked him about BKFC then, and granted this was this was last year, so maybe his feelings have changed, or you know his financial situation has changed. I, I I wouldn't have the foggiest idea. But I asked him about that, and he gave me this really disgusted look. He was like, "Oh, I can't do that. That's too brutal. I'm not. I can't even watch it." <laughs> so, <laughs> so Mike Tyson, at least at that time, had absolutely zero interest in anything BKFC related. Wouldn't even watch the stuff. So to think that he's going to fight in that organization, I I find laughable.
0: Breaking news right there. That (laughs) says it all. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I think Paige right there for Bellator. I think she's going to get an easy fight. They're going to try to sell a big Aleema fight. And then who knows where we go from there. Um, Yeah, the other one, um, we're not talking much about Bellator, even though they have a nice fight between Benson Henderson and Michael Chandler. Very bluntly, Michael Chandler's on the last fight of his Bellator contract. He doesn't win a belt if he wins on Saturday. Or sorry, Friday. Do you see him signing with somebody else? Why or why not?
1: Um, I actually see him signing with one championship. Um, if he goes outside of Bellator. Now, I think Bellator is going to throw everything they can at him because the, the company has in a lot of ways, built themselves off of his back. And, and he, um, is equally, you know, sort of code. It's like a codependent thing, which it's good that they have that, that relationship. Uh, he seems to be very close with Scott Coker and, and the, the officials there, but it is notable that now, uh, Bellator isn't exactly managed the same way as it once was. I know Steven Espinosa. Uh, head of Showtime Sports. He has uh, a lot of say in that promotion now. It, so there are changes from an upper management level that maybe aren't going to make things the same when it comes time to negotiate your, your next contract. But also, I mean, one championship is throwing money around at proven uh, American fighters right now. You can look at Eddie Alvarez, former Bellator champion, former UFC champion. Um, the The figures reported around him, uh maybe maybe they haven't been reported. I've off the record, I've I've heard a few numbers thrown out there. So I, I don't know if if there have been official reports to corroborate this, but if the figures I heard are true, um man, that sounds really attractive if you're Michael Chandler. And um, you know, we've heard, and granted there are a lot of fighters that have these sort of rumors swirling around, we've heard of some, you know, substances that may be a part of Chandler's diet. Um, one championship, despite their claims that Vada is associated with them. We kind of know it's a it's a it's a loose show as far as uh, what your supplement intake is like. So those factors might make it attractive. And then you have Eddie Alvarez out there to get that trilogy fight that I'm sure he really, really wants. Uh, so one championship seems like the most logical place for him to go if he he decides to leave Bellator.
0: Yeah, I think that um, you have that, you know, you have that nest egg over there with Eddie Alvarez. I will say this. It's been a minute. I don't know if necessarily everybody knows that they had two epic fights in Bellator. Remember, this is still, you know, Bijan Rebny's uh, Bellator that these fights happened at the time. So not quite, you know... Uh, I don't even know if they were off of Spike TV yet when these fights, uh, you know, came on. So I think that there's something to be said about just how much value do they think is still there for Chandler. I think that he does enter as an immediate player, especially coming off a win on Friday. I don't know if, okay, do you see this guy making a run, doing your tournament, working up the rankings? You know, how close do you see him to a title shot to begin with? All of that, I think, still needs to be determined. And I'm sh- I am I really do look forward to seeing what they do about that. But yeah, I-, I would say that there. In terms of UFC, there's always been a bunch of fights that would have been great. That's still great for him to, s- to see him in, for sure. I don't know if financially they're about to offer him the deal for it. When you look at Lightweight, I mean, you know, he were to enter tomorrow... He's not in the immediate title picture. You have that big four of Habib, Tony, Connor, Justin. You know, throw in Poirier for the heck of it. Um, it, It's Charles Oliveira. It's, you know, he still could easily be in one or two fights against uh, two killers before he even looks at a UFC title shot. That's just how loaded it is right now today. So... I don't know if necessarily he feels like it's worth it because, one, they'd have to offer him the dollar amount because you know Bellator's got a nice base value for him by now. Right. And then, you know, so you'd probably have to leave. You'd have to accept probably a little bit less, and you'd have to accept the fact that you're not the biggest fish in a small pond. You would have to work your way up at this stage of your career. He may feel like the time for putting a campaign together to get to a title is behind him at this stage. So I'm sure he'll weigh that. But yeah, I also see Bellator and one being the two obvious ones. And um, I'm sure he's going to weigh it as he always has. Stay in Bellator where he's the big fish in a smaller pond. Or take your chances to build up your name in one of the other ones.
1: Right. I, I think you made uh, some excellent points there. I want to expound upon just a little bit as far as him working his way up through the UFC uh, to get uh, to, to get uh, in the title picture. You know, they would have the UFC would have to offer him a title shot like right out the gate. Um, in, in order to make it worth as well, I believe. Because you, you think back to Ben Henderson leaving the UFC to go to Bellator, or you think about Eddie Alvarez leaving the UFC to go to one championship. Both times, um, by um, the statements made by the aforementioned gentleman, they said that the contracts that the UFC offered were good contracts, that they, you know, it was a lot of money. However, they were very incentive laden. You had to work your way back up to a title shot in order to really get the big money that the other promotions were just offering you to walk right in right then. Um, So I suspect they would do the same thing with Michael Chandler, that they would say, hey, you get a boatload of cash if you work your way up to a fight against Khabib or Gaethje or whoever is champion at the time. Uh, But if you don't, eh you know, you're going to take a lot less money and a lot more damage because the UFC's lightweight division is is an absolute minefield of of pure violence that you want to get paid as much as you possibly can to endure.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and once again, you know, a lot of this is coming off a victory. I mean, I, I can't help but state this, that he loses two in a row. There will be questions like, hey, are we getting the same Michael Chandler who was – breaking all these records and doing all this great stuff in bellator he's still gonna be a competitive fighter no doubt but you know i think that max money comes with the impression that you are still getting a guy at that level so
1: agree that's gonna be
0: a big question and that's a great fight i like the run benson henderson is on i think it's just a good matchup between the two of them so i'll be tuning in it'll be a nice friday absolutely Uh, Let's go ahead and close this out. Anthony, Derek Lewis, Alexi Olinik, striker versus grappler, the slim down Derek versus, he doesn't get credit, the always jacked Olinik. Have you seen this dude's biceps? I mean, you could tell that he just rolls out of bed and crushes watermelons with his bicep, man.
1: I yeah, he looks like he meet. lifts a lot of haystacks, man. He's, a, he's one of the farm strong-looking dudes.
0: <laughs> yes. um, You know what? I think this fight really boils down to the fact that can Derek impose his physicality enough? I think that if he's not able to do that, Olenek is tough enough and smart enough to just make this a slow fight, tie him up, and we're just watching a lot of defensive grappling from Lewis for the fight.
1: You know what, uh, Gabriel, um, I will uh, definitely give you the the nod for being a better just technical analyst than me. Uh, But I will say this is the time for me to shine right now because this is a fight where you you don't want to technically analyze this. I want to see chaos. I want to see foolishness. I want to see sloppiness. I want to see heavyweights gassed out within 17 seconds and just (laughs) flailing around helplessly. Uh, This fight is going to be one-way traffic either way. Either Derek Lewis is going to completely decapitate Olenek, who doesn't always have the the best chin, or we're going to see Olenek uh, Ezekiel choke uh, uh, Derek Lewis, who has been submitted in the past. So I'm I'm here for it, man. I'm totally here for it. And and also, I want to see the the, the ridiculous non-technical things that Derek Lewis is able to pull off. Keep in mind... This is the same man who, when Gabriel Gonzaga, one of the greatest jiu-jitsu practitioners in MMA history, mounted him, Derek Lewis got bored and decided he was just going to stand up and then knock him out. This is what I want. This, this is the fight that I want. I, I, I don't want to add a shred of intelligence to this.
0: Does Derek have enough neck to Ezekiel? I mean, I feel like the only <laughs> guy with a smaller neck is Mark Hunt, man. Cannot this, Ezekiel, this is, you can't Ezekiel a neck that's not
1: there. <laughs> this, see, Gabriel, this is this is why I need you on my level right here. This is what I'm talking about. This is this is this is what the fans want. <laughs>
0: I mean, uh, here's the thing: as much as I love watching Derek Lewis do jumping knees at his size, that is the worst possible thing he could do against a <laughs> But you know what? I hope he goes for all of them. I hope he jumps out there like a grasshopper. I hope he thinks he's like he's in Tekken and you're just pressing X the whole time. I hope he does that <laughs> for you, Anthony. I hope just... they go out there. I hope that Olinick decides to forget he's a grappler and try spinning back fists and go for showtime kicks off the cage. I hope you get it. And I, 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 I think Derek Olenek. Lewis is gonna uh, win. The better the chaos. Final answers.
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm gonna pick Derek Lewis as well. I just want to see Olenek attempt a Showtime kick and only get like, like 12 inches above the ground. That's that's what I want to see. I want to see like he does a Showtime, a Showtime leg kick. That is the fight that we need to see. Yes, please. Thank you, sir. I'll take it.
0: There you have it, guys. I'm not gonna pretend there's more to add. I'm here for it. Um oh, real quick. Chris Weidman. If he loses, is this it?
1: Depends on how he loses. If he loses the way he tends to lose and and he gets separated from from the living again, it, it's time to hang it up, man. like it, it's it's really difficult to see him go through as much as uh much damage as he has uh, as of late. Now, if he were to lose a decision or look competitive um, and, and not, and not suffer some sort of highlight reel KO loss, then yeah, you know, stick around for one or two more or something. But uh, quite honestly, I want to see for Weidman, I would like to see him either rematch Rockhold, um, two guys whose chins are equally shot and, um, or have him have him uh give him a trilogy fight with Anderson Silva just for uh, just for the fun of it. Those those are the only two fights I think really make sense for Wyman at this point because he's certainly not a top contender and he probably is going to lose Saturday as well.
0: I mean, I talked with a New York reporter once about this and said, you know, it was at the time I think when he was losing the three fights in a row. Um and she said to me very bluntly, like, you have no idea how much Chris Weidman was instrumental to the campaign to get MMA and the UFC to New York. And right. she told me bluntly, Chris Weidman is that guy could lose 10 in a row and they still won't cut him. I mean, I know he's not close to 10 in a row, but the numbers still don't look good that this is starting to be a real conversation we're having. Um, yeah. That's once scary. again, yeah, once again, um I I understand his his name and his value. I know Adonis, I hear you. I feel you. <laughs> um his name value is always gonna be there. Kinda like Holly Holm. You can't understate the fact that to many people he's always gonna be the legend slayer. And I get that. Right. But like you said, man, I mean it's hard for me to say that there's a long run. If he loses one more, I think that um you know, they'll be like, look, Chris, take one of these legend fights, the Anderson trilogy or the Luke Rockhold fight. But I think, if, you know, to give him anything else, I think that he's proven that he's just not there right now, which sucks because I do know he works hard. I do think he wants it. He did fight a very tough guy in Dominic Reyes the last time out. And Jacare really is right. no joke. But yes. still, the numbers are what they are. And at a certain point, it's got to stop. And I yeah. hate to say that for him, but, you know, it, it yeah, just you, is you, what it is.
1: And you kind of wish that this happened like ah! during, during the, the Fertitta era of, of the UFC ownership because, you know, they probably would offer him some sort of nonsensical executive position ah! where he just takes a, you know, a $200,000 salary to, you know, sign autographs and kiss babies or something. Um, so I doubt WME is going to offer him an office next to, next to Forrest Griffin, (laughs) you know, so it's, it's kind of like he has to fight, which is really tragic. You know, someone who is a legend Slayer, uh, someone who will go down as, as one of the, the, uh, great champions in recent memory. It's a shame to see, see this fall from grace. And and it's really frightening when you think about the, the potential quality of life he has, uh, once this is all over.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I will say this. I give him maybe a little more credit. I could see him talking to Ally Kinta and getting into the, you know, the real estate business. I don't know why. I I don't know if he doesn't audition or anything. I also feel like he could have a future in broadcasting. I could see him, you know, commentating for some Fight Pass events, being the new voice and analyst at LFA. You know what I mean? I feel Uh, like he could. (laughs)
1: It's possible. I don't. Has he done any any sort of broadcasting work before? I'm I'm not familiar with any. If he has, Never. or at least I, I don't think, remember. I
0: think he's only ever guessed it on like UFC Tonight or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it would be good to see the UFC give him a shot at something like that for for sure. So I, I'd be down for that. Like he just has to find something else to do, and, and that's I think that's kind of the question that every fighter runs into when it's all over with. Like, what do you do now? You know, fighting consumes so much of your time and, and your, your mental energy, your physical energy, your, you know, your, your family life, your, your relationships, everything, it consumes your entire being and your self-identity. Uh, so the biggest question is what do you do now? Because what he's doing now is not going to make those, uh, those years that he has following this ride, you know, it's, it's just, it's just going to, it could be disastrous and it's, it's scary man with, with a wife and children, um, needs to, think a little bit beyond the the moment as difficult as it may be for someone who is as competitive as he is and has had the level of success that he's had as well
0: oh man I mean now that's more pressure here we were getting excited for Lewis Olinic, and now I'm worried about Chris Weidman Anthony look what you've done I'm sorry no but uh, it's no I mean look that's it's gonna be the big story I mean I know we're not talking about it yet because everyone's focused on contender but all eyes are going to be on what happens next for Weidman on Saturday. And that's a real story going into it. But um, we'll wait and see. He could come out there and he could just put on a whooping. And we'll be like, dang, Anthony, how could you say that about Chris Weidman like that? I mean, you never know. So we'll wait and see. Uh, I'll leave it at this. Next week, we have the trilogy. Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miosic, number three. All the marbles, it's going to be a fun one. Anthony, one more time, where can fans find you on social media?
1: Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AntWalkerMMA. So go ahead, check that out.
0: Hey, Thank you once again. Adonis, you have a good day too, little man. Fans, (laughs) you can find me at DoubleG on TV. Just spell out the word double, and I'll be back next week.